Farm Talk on CFRU 93.3 FM. Welcome to another edition of Food Farm Talk where we celebrate food and honor those who champion the cause of food in society. Morning and welcome to another edition of Food Farm Talk on CFRU 93.3 FM here in Guelph. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Emily Duncan, and I'm here with Abdul Rahim Abdullahi. And today we're doing a live show. We're excited to be talking about a subject that's on the tip of everybody's tongue these days. It's making headlines and frankly causing some worry in across the world. And so you might have guessed that's the coronavirus. You know, we're seeing headlines of um, it's spreading further and we're really interested in its impact on the supply chain, agriculture, and the food system at large. We're seeing pictures of empty supermarket shelves. And so we wanted to discuss today kind of what's going on and what are what are some of the repercussions for the food system from a viral outbreak like the coronavirus? Yeah, so uh, just as Emily has mentioned, the coronavirus has been in the news. I would say it's even since that was late last year. So even throughout the year, it has been the news. And we are seeing a lot of uh, impacts on our food system. We are seeing a lot of things happening in grocery stores all around the globe, especially in countries that are that have been hit hard by the virus. So we just want to touch on a whole lot of issues that are coming out of this uh, epidemic. So. Yeah, so maybe just to start, we'll we'll kind of give a lay of the land of where we're at currently with the situation. We've seen that the yeah, like as you mentioned, the virus started late last year. It started in Wuhan, China, um, and has kind of spread worldwide since there. And we're at over ninety thousand cases, over seventy seven countries. So. The WHO, not yeah. the band, but yeah. the World Health Organization yeah. is calling this a global pandemic. Yeah, so we all know that it started in China, as you mentioned, but to, over time, that has been in the space of, say, less than three months now, it has reached about 77 countries. So it, it's becoming a worry for everybody who is concerned, right? most everybody, because since it's spread to so many countries, we everyone is concerned that we don't really know what will happen if it gets serious. And even here in Canada, like we, you think globally we've passed ninety thousand, and Canada we have about thirty-five cases. From the last time I checked, this morning, yesterday it was thirty-three. So, yeah, so we're over thirty cases in Canada. The countries that are, have been really most affected have been China. Um, South Korea has also faced a lot of challenges. Um, Iran and Italy are kind of the four main countries that are are really feeling the impacts of this virus. But we're we're seeing. Um, they have the most number of cases, but we're seeing the impacts of the virus happen uh, all across Europe and North America as it's not the virus that's causing the problems, it's the panic about the virus um, that's really having an effect on the food system. 
And, and just to add, we know that so it's having a panic on uh, an impact on the food system, but we are also concerned about the mortality that we are experiencing out of the virus. So right now, the figure stands up at over 3,000 deaths. Mo- mo- you know, most of the deaths are actually in China, but currently we've recorded some deaths in the U.S. as well and other countries. So. And it's kind of it's come to light that there hasn't been since the start of the outbreak in China, there hasn't been adequate monitoring in all countries around the world. So, you you know, you have to take these numbers with a bit of a grain of salt if that they haven't been monitored correctly over the past couple of months. Um, And I think the the mortality rate is important to think about because we know that it's about. 3.4%. 3.4%. So what does that actually mean? Well, when we think about just general influenza, the mortality rate of that is about 1%. So this is substantially higher, but that doesn't necessarily translate to that it's a more deadly virus. It actually is more that no, because it's new, nobody has immunity to it. People may not be thinking that's what it was. Um, so it does have a higher mortality rate, but that doesn't necessarily translate to it's more deadly. It presents with the same kind of symptoms as the flu, fever, body aches. Um, yeah, you're going to be laid up in bed. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the novelty of the this disease uh, makes it very hard for people to actually understand because it's new. We don't know much about it. How do we deal with it? So that is one of the reasons why the mortality is really high, and at least when we compare it to normal flu. So our main concern today is we are talking about coronavirus and the food system, what is happening around the globe, what is happening here in Canada. There's been a lot of uh, issues making news from uh, restaurants, what is happening in supermarkets, what is happening to Canadian exports, and almost similar issues in other countries as well. So we'll talk about all this in today's episode. Yeah, so kind of one example from right here in Guelph is this week I was going shopping at Costco on Elmira Road here in Guelph and um, I something that was totally different is normally you get your card and you walk in and they check your Costco membership card, um, but they had another employee at the door prior to anybody walking in who was sanitizing all the carts, like wiping down the place where you put your hands with Lysol wipes and then throwing those away. And this is something that I'd never seen before. And this is kind of what started a little bit of like alarm in me of like, oh, why do we wow. Have, like, why, like, why are we doing this? So that means, that, that means an issue, there's an issue of concern that we that's actually triggering this uh, action. But I, I haven't seen anything like personally by going to a grocery store. But of course, we've read a lot in the news, but it's good that you've had your, <laughs> your fair share of the experience of the impact of corona right here in Gulf. But this is even a place we haven't recorded any case yet. No, there's been no recorded cases here. Um, and we're, But I think, I haven't seen this in Guelph, but other stores in Canada are starting to see um, shortages in supplies. Um, a, a Costco in Markham reported that they were out of bottled water, toilet paper, and paper towels. So these are the kind of emergency supplies that are, are being stockpiled first. Um, and so we are starting to see sor- shortages in some places. Um, I saw a headline that in the Northwest Territories, the health health advisors there were encouraging people to stock up. Um, and I think that's especially challenging in, in remote communities. There might 
things are going to sell out quickly in Canada, especially, and it takes a longer time to refill that supply chain. So there definitely is a risk there. And mm. the, as the panic grows, the more people stockpile, the more disruption to the supply chain is going to happen. Yeah, but I, I think in the context of uh, Canada in specific, I, I think I think that was on the 27th of February, the health minister actually advised people to encourage people to stockpile food in one way or another and medication, but not to the extent that we are actually seeing. But I, I know that's one of the reasons why we are beginning to see an impact within our stores. We are beginning to see uh, shelves drying up, especially food items. Like, as you made, there are lots of uh, news items that are talking about this, and people are actually panicking, like what you call a panic buying. People are panicking to buy items just in anticipation of whatever will happen. I don't know if it's necessarily good or bad, but we just hope that it, it doesn't get to <laughs> that situation that we need it. Yeah, I think the health minister, Patty Hadju, say making that announcement that people need to stockpile kind of put maybe put the wrong idea in people's minds that people think that they need to stockpile to self-isolate. Like, mm. I can't leave the house because there's, you know, everyone's sick, sick out there. Yeah. If I leave the house, I'm going to get sick as well. Whereas the actual real advice is that you just need enough supplies in case you yourself get sick and you cannot leave your in bed, you can't leave the house, you have the things that you need to get over it and to, to get better. Um, so that would be like a week or two of supplies, not not a month or two of supplies yeah, that so you're gonna <laughs> stay in your house, right? Yeah. Um, so the advice, the a more measured advice is just, you know, when you're out doing your normal shopping to just buy a few items each trip and not do a specific trip to the store where you clean out the shelves. Yeah, so I think uh, just actually what you are saying, the official, uh, the, the official description that has come out of the government of Canada is to adv is advising people to actually stockpile food and like basic essentials, water and sanitizers and all those things, but not to go into panic buying. So we're just putting it out there to the public. Yes, it is okay to try to stock a little bit just in case that you have to isolate at home, but we probably don't have to get into that whole lot of panic buying where we are drying up the stores and making kind of disrupting the supply chain. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And we've seen this kind of panic buying is actually has had a huge effect on sales of masks and sales of hand sanitizer. Um, and one of the things that we need to be aware of is that there are some people like price gouging these things. Um, for example, on Amazon, we've seen that certain bad actors are selling things of hand sanitizer for over $70 a bottle. Like, And so th there are people out there who will take advantage of a crisis. And um, what kind of what's come out of, at least in the UK, large supermarket chains are super are super conscious of this and that trying to tell consumers that you're not going to see a rise in food prices, prices because, yeah. you know, food retailers can't be seen to be profiting in this type of crisis, right? This isn't the time to raise food prices, yeah. um, it's like we're seeing with other kind of products that are happening, um, especially like the masks and the hand sanitizer. So uh, you just mentioned in UK, we are beginning to see measures and 
kind of official response from grocery retailers in, in the country. But we haven't really seen much here in Canada. So I think maybe it's an opportunity for the grocery stores to actually give assurance out to the public. But we've gotten assurance from government officials, but the retailers need to come out to kind of assure people that like the supply chain is still intact and there's no need to panic to buy more items and definitely the prices will not rise just because we, are, we will run into shortages. I think this kind of uh, public like reassurance will help kind of ease the situation around the country. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, for example, in the UK, they have a food chain emergency liaison group um, for Tesco, which is their largest super uh, supermarket okay. supplier. Tesco probably could be considered comparable to Loblaws in Canada. And so they're the ones who are coming out and saying, like, we have a plan. We have we have a plan in place for this type of emergency. Um, we're not going to be raising food prices. And they're the ones who are, in fact, could be taking a huge loss in profit. Um, they're expecting maybe one over a billion dollars in loss in profit f- due to this outbreak. Um, and so, yeah, r- food retailers are definitely going to be suffering. You know, people aren't going about their normal activities and their normal buying activities. Um, so we already know that the market has suffered from this outbreak. Um, stock, stock markets have seen... Yeah, yeah stock markets have seen it. But like drastic downturn. Drastic downturn, the worst since the financial crisis of 2008. Um, And additionally, like there's other types of food retailers, as you mentioned before, restaurants. Um, Yeah, that's something I would like to actually touch on, on the aspect of the restaurant. So we know that people are changing their shopping patterns, but it's not only about what they eat back home. We are also seeing an impact in the restaurant industry. Like we are seeing a lot of... Uh, change, people changing their habits. There, there, there are a lot of stories that have been run around Canada on uh, restaurants, uh, declining restaurant sales. Yeah. Yeah. In one in one survey from the UK, again, um, already we're seeing a nine percent decrease in restaurant attendance, and it's expected that if it, if more cases of coronavirus come out there, that it'll worsen to about 30% decrease in sales. So th- that's a huge drop, and it's totally out of these retailers and businesses' control about wh- how this is, is coming out and how this is happening. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it is kind of understandable people's response that if you're afraid of getting sick, you don't want to be out in the public, right? Mm. So uh, one aspect to it that we are seeing in Canada and uh, it's interesting you have mentioned in the UK they are seeing a drop because there's an article that's run uh, about in Vancouver like Chinese Canadian businesses have actually reported loss up to 70% which is like huge and we've seen similar trends around the country like, I think on the 27th there was an article that was run in, uh, in the Star that went to Chinatown in Toronto to actually see how businesses are faring especially restaurants and the figures were actually like Worrying because like restaurants are actually reporting losses that range from about thirty to like seventy percent loss in customers and in their profit margins, which is kind of worrying. We don't do, as you mentioned. You know that sure you want to eat, but you don't want to get sick. But I, I, we don't know how these t- dynamics work because it's actually affecting a very specific demographic. That's another tricky aspect to it. Yeah, and I think I think some of those news stories, especially some of the stories that were coming out at the beginning of the year when this started to break and it was kind of isolated to China, is that there were a lot of um, 
there was a lot of racialized prejudice that came out against Chinese Canadians and Chinese in general um, due to the due to the virus of people, you know, assuming that people had the virus and these kinds of things. And so, which is, it's, I think that's horrible and that, you know, it's affecting people's businesses, but at the same time, now we're seeing it, the virus spread more and more. It's, it's not just isolated to China anymore. So it, we're having cases in Canada, we're having cases in Europe and in the States. So it's not, um, I think now we're going to see a widespread we are going to definitely feel the impact if it is continues or almost let's say all the demographics is not kind of restricted to one group of people just like we saw in the earlier parts uh, around the globe where people are beginning to be, let's say, be careful when they are getting close to very certain demographic which is hitting those businesses and then we are seeing a lot of issues around travel as well so which is kind of interesting but we also know that one aspect of it is, as we mentioned, on the supply chain. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, stories in Canada that is running around exports because Canada is a huge, big destination for Canadian exports. So, Yeah, so we need to be thinking about um, are, are the markets going to be there to buy our exports? China is a huge purchaser um, of Canadian exports, particularly in canola. Um, and so is a country that's facing a pandemic going to be able to make good on their trade deals? And so like we're seeing headlines around this. There's a lot of speculation, but I think it's a bit early to say how these that could play out. We're coming up to spring planting. Um, and so kind of it's shifting away from thinking about the the food aspect of it and more of the agriculture aspect of it. Um, I was reading about uh, will how will grain planting in China be affected? Um, and will they be able to get all their crops into the ground given that there's lots of roadblocks set up that you know they're trying to contain the virus, but at the same time, fertilizer supplies need to be spread throughout the country, um, seeds need to be moved and harvest need or not harvest planting needs to start relatively soon so um there's a huge challenge there with the, the how the virus is affecting agriculture yeah and, and one aspect uh that we've realized especially when it comes to export in the canadian context has been the seafood it's already been hit so because seafood mostly happened like throughout the throughout the, the year and in, in Atlantic Canada, there have been stories about how this virus ha has actually affected the seafood market, I even in prices, because pr I think from the time the virus started late uh, last year till now, there has been a, like, a reduction in the price that has fell down from like a record high before the time to ab about 10.50 in terms of per pound to about 8 dollars per pound like right now in terms of seafood uh, in Atlantic Canada. So I think fisher fishermen and like people in the fisheries industry in Atlantic Canada are actually really worried about this virus because they have they are already beginning to see some of its impacts on their sales and their market and all those things. So it's a bit concerning. But of course, as you mentioned, we are also getting into a time where we are beginning to face some of this replication in terms of primary production. Because right now, one thing we also know that Chinese, most of the industries in China, China is actually shutting down. They are not up to capacity. And we also know that 
they, we do get a lot of goods from China. So some of these goods might actually be for the purposes of agriculture in one way or the other. So, so we might get this ripple effect going through the entire agriculture from uh, when the planting season starts. So we wait to see what actually happens. Yeah, and I I think it's it's something to think about. People are making comparisons to other outbreaks of like influenza or Spanish flu, and I think what what's different now is how globally interconnected we all are. That global markets, you know, where goods are moving around the world, and they all really depend on production from another country to make another country's economy at work, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so I think something to also think about is like what what can be our response to this? And we've already seen um, a response by the Canadian federal government um, cutting the interest rates. And so they're down by half a percentage point um, from 1.75 down to 1.25 to encourage spending. And I think that's also an interesting, it's interesting for how that might f- affect agriculture as well because we know that farmers carry a lot of debt and so once interest rates are going down that might encourage more investment in the agricultural sector to try to mitigate this the crisis of the coronavirus that's quite interesting and when you look at it i'm just also wondering whether this will actually translate this slashing interest rate will actually translate in what farmers do this year so in terms of equipment purchases and in terms of like trying to get new machinery and all those things, whether it translates into the actual practice down the ground. But these are interesting things that we are we can't fully understand what it will look like or how it will translate on the ground. But as time goes and we, we begin to see some of its impacts on agriculture and entire supply chain. Yeah. But I, I, and I think that a lot of people aren't kind of thinking about that far back at the beginning of the supply chain of mm-hmm. planting coming up and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, this... Yeah, it's, it's definitely something we should be thinking about because, as you say, there's a lot of, there's a lot that depends on the relation between Canada and China, especially in agriculture. We, we know of canola, we know of pork, we, mm-hmm. like, we know of beef. Like, there's a lot of exports that go to China and there are a lot of, like, relations when it comes to the decisions farmer make, farmers make on the ground. So we do know that this will definitely affect what people do this year. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned pork. And so this coronavirus outbreak in humans is coming right after the outbreak of African swine fever in pigs in right. China. And so um, pig herds in China have been remarkably reduced due to African swine fever. Um, and that's another, that's a livestock disease that we're globally trying to keep well contained and make sure that that doesn't spread. So, which it kind of flared up at the end of last year, and now we're dealing with coronavirus. So kind of seems like one thing after another. Yeah, I, th- I think th- there are two things we I, I would really like us to touch on before we go, because this is very interesting to see how we've, we've talked about people panic buying. We are seeing, I don't know, I'm trying to look at it from this perspective. Is this actually a wake-up call to us in terms of how our food system works? Like, if we are seeing the impacts, like, just over a couple of months, we're actually seeing a breakdown in some parts of our food system. 
what actually happens if we have something that is serious than this is definitely something we should be thinking about as we we, we continuously talk about how to reshape our food system and how to get things going to make sure that people don't be people are not found out people become more resilient to like these kind of changes be it in climate change be it an epidemic like this or any other like unexpected circumstance or unexpected situation that we find ourselves I think that's a really, really good point to kind of end up end on that. This is a bit of a wake up call to our food system. And it makes me think back to um, a quote from Tim Benton, um, a global food security expert from the UK. Um, and he he said, we're nine meals away from anarchy. And essentially what that means is like a city like Toronto has three days worth of food. And that's it. <laughs> so I, I really see that like this situation is actually putting that quote into test. Like we are really beginning to see that will, what will the situation look like if we find ourselves in something that breaks the entire food system down? How long can we survive? Like, so. Yeah, and we don't want to cause panic, <laughs> but this, but that kind of thought and that kind of knowledge about our food system is what drives people to stockpile and to clear out the shelves of knowing of knowing that, you know, if the supply chain is disrupted, we're going to be out of food in three days. So, people want to have have a plan for themselves individually in their house, and we're already seeing in some places like Italy that, you know, um, people are fighting over, you know access to resources and so it's it's challenging times and it is causing us to give pause and rethink the food system yeah it is definitely concerning like to see how vulnerable like our food system is and how vulnerable we are as people like as our lives actually depend on this food system that is not so resilient from what we are seeing so far so like i said it's concerning but probably it's a wake-up call and it's something that is actually out to get us to innovate, to get us to think about alternative solutions, to, get us, to begin to, to open our minds up to see what we can actually do when situations get worse than this. So there's, there's definitely something good coming out of it in one way or the other, but we will definitely see what it means for us and how people, how we actually try to plan going forward. But we are almost running out of time, but I, I would like us to actually end on note of, like, from what we are seeing all through the media and what we are seeing from what people are doing, it's always good to end on a note, like, what can our listeners also do in this type of situation. How do you prepare yourself? Yeah, so I think our, our final message would be don't panic, wash your hands, stay safe, and don't clean out the grocery store. Just buy the things that you think you might need um, a trip at a time. Yeah, so the situation is not that worse. So let's not panic to to, to create more uh, damage because we know that sometimes it's not really the disease, but the outcomes of how people are reacting to the disease that is causing uh, some of this issue. And feel free to go out to still eat. Just as I said, wash your hands. Still go to your favorite restaurants. Don't be hesitant to go out because you think you contract the disease. 
we still there's still a lot of room to live your normal life but in a bit of readjustment of how you do your things uh, and i think the official government um announcement has indicated that we try to maybe plan the way we plan our grocery shopping and all those things trying to avoid like going at rush hours or like how we use public transportation and all those things but just stay safe don't panic the situation is still under control. I don't know if I can say that the situation is under control. I'm not in a position of power to say that. But yes, we are still optimistic. So, All right. Well, take care and tune in next week, um, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. for another edition of Food Farm Talk on CFRU 93.3 FM. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. Ah! <laughs> ah!